Hey, my friend, welcome back to the show. Today, there's a topic I want to share with you that has been coming up a lot with our agency clients, as well as coaching clients, and is a topic that I think needs to be addressed. I will say this right out of the gate. Still to this day, in 2023, at the time of recording this, your email list, your database, your past customers, your warm network, those contacts that know, like, and trust you are your number one asset in your business, whether you're online or offline. I was on a podcast the other day. He took me back to my first entry into the world of digital marketing, and I took him back to 2003. And in 2003, essentially, the web was just sort of becoming a thing, and I found and started my first email marketing campaign. Now, at that time, I put together, and don't let it blow you away, but I put together a 52-week email drip campaign. It's called an email drip campaign, could be called a sequence, a workflow, whatever you want to call it. Today, there's so many fancier things we can do with them, but this was a way for me to stay top of mind with people in my network, in my database, people that were considered referral partners, prospects, and customers. Why 52 weeks? Well, I wanted to have a reason for them to hear from me or I wanted to have a touch point 52 weeks out of the year. Why? I was in a service business that had what I would call a long-term sales cycle. Back then, I was in the mortgage industry. There are plenty of industries that we work with today, B2B, B2C, real estate, lending, financial services, and on and on, that the buyer or potential buyer may show up in your world today, but they may not need to transact business today. So what I'm talking about now is one of the very first things we do with mature businesses who have built up a history of years of experience in sales and customers, the very first thing we do is we say, let's talk about your current email database. Let's talk about how warm your relationship is with your past customers, with your warm network, with your prospects who haven't converted yet, and with your referral partners or what we would call influencers of your business. There are three or four categories. I won't break into the different campaigns for each category because there are different campaigns for each category, but essentially the theory behind a re-engagement email campaign and some of the best practices are what I wanna share with you today. I've been sharing this a lot. You know, there's one customer that we have that has 50,000 customers in their world. They have a call center calling on those customers to stay top of mind. I invited them to consider this process. I have another customer who has something in the neighborhood of 20,000, past customers, contacts, etc. So we are talking to them about a different story. About four or five years ago, I remember a large customer, they had 30,000 customers, and they're an e-commerce business. And when you have 30,000 customers and in the last six months, they haven't repurchased from you, by the way, not all 30,000 fit in that category, but when a good chunk of your e-commerce customers are not buying again, something's wrong, especially when you sell something that should be purchased more than one time. So what I want to do today is talk about some re-engagement email campaign best practices. I just want to give you a high-level roadmap for how to think about it, how I think about it, how I've thought about it for the years. And let's be clear. Whether you have a big email database today or not, I want you to also think about your past customer database, whether they're offline or online. And I want you to think about the people in your sphere of influence. 
So it doesn't matter who we're talking about, prospect, customer, sphere of influence, influencer, referral partner, affiliate partner, JV partner, the contacts that we're talking about is what we're talking about. Have we lost touch with those people? And if so, then we wanna talk about what's the right type of strategy, some of the best practices around re-engaging them via email. Now, it's not the only way. You could be doing it by phone, and I recommend that. You could be doing it by text, and I do recommend that. But when it comes to a large database of 50,000, 100,000, 10,000, 5,000, you can't make enough phone calls fast enough. So how do we think about a re-engagement campaign? Well, first of all, let's talk about what it is. In its core, a re-engagement campaign is an opportunity to reach out to someone who you used to have communication or contact with or have done a transaction with. And the first thing I think about is your job of the campaign is to re-establish a process of communication. We want to re-establish a mode of communication. It's not to get them to open an email so they can go click and buy something, right? It's to open up a conversation, whether that's a digital conversation or it's going to lead back to a telephone conversation or a Zoom meeting conversation or a webinar, or if you're a local business or you're doing, uh, you know, it could be a visit to your shop or it could be if you're a B2B salesperson, a visit to their location. Okay, so the goal of this campaign is not to end up at the checkout line, although I know that's what you ultimately want. The goal is to say, of these people who we fell out of touch with, can we reestablish the relationship? Can we reestablish communication? Okay, that's the goal. That's the way I think about it, right? Before we can sell them anything, before we can get them back in the sales process, get them back into the deal flow, whatever that might be, we got to take out the idea of what we want and just open the door and see if there's an opportunity to reestablish communication. Best practice number one, first of all, give yourself some grace. You know, life gets busy. Your business is growing. There's ebbs and flows. There's economic changes. There's life changes. And your intention may not have ever to have been to lose touch with them. One of the best mechanisms and best emails that I've ever sent out, and I used to do this, by the way, by direct mail (laughs) back in the day, is I would literally send out a letter that says, you know, I don't know where the time has gone. I can't believe that it's been a year, two years, whatever, since we've communicated. And that was really never my intention. So when I say give yourself some grace, one of the first practices I, I think about is give yourself some grace. And then in that very first communication, your job is to apologize and admit that you let things go too far without touching base. Okay? Best practice number one, give yourself some grace. And in that very first email, just apologize. You know, I had not intended to have it be 12 months since we'd communicated with you. I didn't think that after we did our transaction together that I would have let 12 months go by or whatever that period is. You don't have to customize this. You can generalize it, right? But the first best practice is first cut yourself some slack because now you're aware of it and let's get back in the game. First email would say something to the effect of my bad. (laughs) I can't believe time has gone so long and I haven't spoken to you. My goodness. What do I think about next? Best practice number two is to set expectations for the future. Because if this group of people haven't heard from you in a while, it's going to feel kind of selfish that you just pop back up in their inbox or you just pop back up in their world. So set expectations. It might go something like this. 
you know, what I'd like to be doing in 2023 is reestablishing an open line of communication. And what I realize is with things changing in the industry, things changing in the world, things change, etc., I realize I want to take a more leadership forward stance on communicating what I'm seeing from my perspective to make sure it serves you. Okay, so best practice number two, set expectations of what this person could be expecting going forward. It's important to make sure that you have defined what are your goals and expectations behind this new mode of communication in re-engagement. What I say is re-engagement isn't a one-time event. Building a relationship is not a one-time event. If you're going to build no like, and trust with people in whatever capacity they're interacting in your world, it isn't a one-time event. So step two in this best practice number two is set expectations. What do you hope to communicate with them in the future? How would you want them to communicate back with you? And I would say best practice number three is invite them to disengage right now. Some of you are right now saying to myself, what? You mean it? Yes. Best practice number three is when you re-engage, invite them to not continue on the journey with you. If your expectations are you're going to start sending, by the way, I'm going to come to number four in just a second, but if your expectation is you're going to start emailing every week with this new cadence, with this new structure, with this new goal, with this new process to stay top of mind, build brand awareness, build trust, something that, by the way, I still recommend today, that there's no reason. I just said it on the podcast the other day. There isn't a business today that shouldn't be emailing and talking to their people once a week. It's not different. In 2003 to 2023, I still believe you should be speaking to your customers every week. Now, I get pushback from a lot of CEOs and founders, and they're like, yeah, that's too much. That's too aggressive. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. You can believe that if you'd like to, but guess what? Some will stay, some will go. That's okay. Step three, invite them to not continue along in the journey, which means put the unsubscribe link right at the top of the email when you send it out. And in all of the emails, put it right at the top. Don't shy away from it. Best practice number four is your consistency. In other words, if you're going to apologize, give yourself some grace and apologize and get started, Well, give yourself a cadence that you can stick to. So when I hear weekly is too much, what I'm hearing is I'm not committed to staying in touch with these people weekly. What I want to do is just send an email once in a while, and I hope that they buy from me. And I've been in this game for a long time, 12 years now running an agency. I've had this conversation more times than I can count. And my own businesses since 2003 running this, I know how the conversation goes. So let's determine the cadence that makes sense so you can stay consistent. Determine, best practice number four, determine the cadence that'll let you stay consistent. Come hell or high water, you won't miss. Hey, if you're an entrepreneur looking for help to market, grow, and scale your business, but would rather do it a simpler way than maybe all of the things you've been doing up till now, I'd like to invite you to something special, something new and exciting for 2023. And the best part is it's free. I want to invite you to join a community of fellow entrepreneurs on the strategy call. It's my brand new segment of the show, but it's private and exclusive for members of the MindShift community only. Every week, I'll be taking your questions and sharing answers from over a decade of experience of helping companies grow to the tune of 300 plus million dollars. 
you will be able to join us live in a recorded Zoom session every week. You'll be able to get behind-the-scenes insights, hear from others with similar questions, and get concise, valuable, strategic advice and answers from me all for free. Don't miss out on this opportunity to take your business to the next level. And I know it sounds cliche, but I guarantee you this will be one of the best investments of your week. Visit thestrategycall.com to join our next call. That's thestrategycall.com. Best practice number five is as important as all of those other steps were, you've got to determine the types of content you're going to communicate every week. There's nothing worse than sitting down and not knowing what you're going to write. I was on this interview and here's what he asked me. He said, well, what did you put in the 52 emails all those days ago? And I said, I spent time sitting down, writing down all of the frequently asked questions that I was ever being asked about the process of what we did, the process of the product, the service that we sold. And I just was mindful of the questions that I was being asked. And each week, I would drop an answer to one of those frequently asked questions in the email sequence. It's not difficult. And then every three months or so, I would drop in a kind of an update email so that they would know what was going on with me personally in my business, not just related to their business or their goals. And so it's a mixture of professional educational content. And then every couple of months or so, I would put in something that was personal, like, hey, here's what's going on in our business. Here's how we've helped this person or that person. Uh, we would call those sort of mini case studies. But the way we would do that and the way we recommend doing it today is when you share a case study, you're not saying the case study to brag. You're saying the case study so that maybe the person reading the case study will identify with the problem that you solved for the customer in the case study. And then the way you can end that is by saying, if you know someone who is in this situation, who you believe would like this outcome, would you be happy to pass on this email to them and let them know we'd be happy to work with them? Okay, that's for another conversation on how to get referrals from your email list or your customer list or your database indirectly, even if they're not ready to buy from you today. That's a tactic for another episode because that tactic in and of itself, it's called the indirect ask. So you're not asking them, right? You're not asking them to do business with you. You're saying, if you know someone who had this problem that we solved this month, oh, I'm giving you too much today. I got to stop. We'll talk about that in another episode. Re-engagement email campaigns are critical. It's the fastest way to get back to ROI. It's the fastest way to re-warm up and get back in communication and contact. Everyone wants to go chase new traffic. Everyone wants to chase good new ads, Google ads, Facebook ads, all of this stuff. But if you've got an asset called a database, it's our job to figure out how to re-engage and segment out that asset so that we can rebuild communication and do something that I call increase the return on relationships. We're always chasing ROI. What about the return on relationship or ROR? That's the reason you do a re-engagement email campaign. And I hope these best practices have helped you. If they did, hit the like, hit the follow, hit the share button, share it with a friend. I'll see you next time.